22a, um, we're going to jump right back into Genesis 35, starting at verse 22b. So if you have a copy of God's word, uh, turn with me to Genesis chapter 35, looking at verse 22b. Um, if you're new to the Bible, Genesis is actually the first book of the Bible. So this book right here is called a Bible, and the first book of the Bible is Genesis. And you turn over to chapter 35 and go down to verse 22b. And that's what we're going to be picking up here this morning. Now the sons of Jacob were 12. 23. The sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun. The sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's servant, Dan, Naphtali, the son of Zippah, Leah's servant, Gad, and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob, who were born in him in Padam of Rum. Verse 27, and Jacob came to his father Isaac as Mamre, Kirath, Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years and Isaac breathed his last and he died and was gathered to his people old and full of days and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. 36, I'm just going to read a couple of verses in 36 now. 36 is going to deal with the Esau descendants. These are the generation of Esau that is in Edom. Esau took his wives from the Canaanites. Ada, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. We're going to let Rob pronounce this next one. Aholibama. Okay, I'm going to go with that one. The daughter of Anna, the daughter of Zebion, and the, the Hevite. And Basemath, Ishmael's daughter, the sister of Nehebiah. And Ada bore to Esau. Eliphaz, Basemoth bore real oil. And what was that in verse 5, Rionica? The old name? Ahavalamoth. Bore Jehush, Jalam, and Korah. Korah. These are the sons of Esau who were born to him in the land of Canaan. Verse 6 Then Esau took his wives, his sons, and daughter, and all the members of his household, his livestock, and all his beasts. And all his property, property that he had and acquired in the land of Canaan, and he went to a land away from his brother Jacob. For their possessions were too great for them to dwell together. The land of their sojourning could not support them because of their livestock. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Hmm. So Esau settled in the hill country of Seir. Esau is Edom. And the rest of this goes into the generation of Esau, which are the Edomites that we know of today or throughout scriptures in the Old Testament. So I'm going to stop there and um, we'll talk about 36 years short. Let me pray for us. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, again, Lord, for allowing us, Lord, to be back again on your word. Uh, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to guide us at this time. Give me the strength, Lord. Give me the wisdom, Lord, to preach your word faithfully. Um, God, your servant, Lord, at this time. And let me care for your people through your word. Let your word give us life. At this time, Lord, let your word be encouraging. Let your word, Lord, point us to you, not to Creston, but to you 
and to your glory. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. I um, yesterday performed a wedding yesterday, and um, just the months and, and the weeks ahead before the wedding, when the couple had came and approached me to actually um, to do the wedding, um, the whole game was the waiting game. The, 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 the bride and the groom, uh, for them, they were anticipating for that day to come. How long could they last, you know, for them in this anticipation? It seemed like it was going to take forever, right, for that day to come. Many have seen this anticipation of, of a loved one that might have been older in age. And just anticipating when death was going to come upon that person. Not wanting it to happen. But you know that day is actually coming. Thinking about, you know, career, or goals in life. Days when you have to make a decision on what direction that you want to go. If you want to go into nursing school, or if you want to be a scientist or a doctor, a lawyer, whatever the case may be. A lot of us, all of this room have sometimes in our lives that we anticipate things in life. Well, today, not test today, it brings us back to anticipation closer to this promise that God had promised us. Where does anticipation come from? It's part of God's creation. God created us for long after something. That's why we find in Genesis 3 when God said one day the woman's going to crush the head of the serpent and we're waiting, right? Waiting, right? Waiting throughout the Old Testament. When would this woman crush the head of the serpent? Why does God create this anticipation through our scriptures? And I believe God does this for we, for us to be able to be so dependent and so patiently waiting on him at every moment of our lives. Anticipation creates this, this type of posture in us to be able to say that we're going to wait on the Lord. Sometimes it brings about the impatience, right? <laughs> you anticipate it to happen so quick. But God wanted to say that, no, I want you to wait on me. Wait on me and trust me through this. We're going to see it today in our test today. In the same picture here, we've been waiting on Jesus to come. We thought Jesus was going to be able, find out Abel died. We thought Jesus was going to be Seth, but God took him away. We thought Jesus was going to be Noah, but Noah turned up and poured up on some cognac, y'all would say. And he got drunk and asked that Noah sin against the Lord. Then we keep going now, even for Abraham. Is Abraham going to be the Jesus? Find out Abraham died. Well, would it be Isaac? We're going to find out today that Isaac is not Jesus. Family, as we go through this test today, I hope it encourages us for us to anticipate Christ, for us to be certain that Christ is going to come back. And for us to also to understand that Christ is going to come back on his own perfect timing, that we can truly rest in the Lord, that the Lord of Jesus is coming, but he's going to come on his own perfect timing, and that's for our good.
We don't need to know. But what do we need to do? We need to trust. Amen. So how are we going to do it today? We're going to do it in three points today. The establishment of the 12 sons of Jacob. Why is this in the text? Why is it telling us about 12 sons right here? Then we're going to find in verse 2. I mean, point number 2. The focus is not Isaac anymore. Why is this shared by Isaac dying from 27 to 29? Then we're going to see in chapter 36, the whole lineage of Esau. Esau, Jesus is not coming from Esau. Why does it tell us about Esau? Why is that chapter even here in the Bible? Miss Kathy, in 36, Jesus is not coming from Esau. Why is it there? And so we're going to find these things out, hopefully, here today. Again, if I can title this, Closer to the Promise. Everybody say it with me. Closer to the Promise. All right, let's look at point number one. The establishment of the 12 sons of Jacob. So we see in verses 22b all the way to 26, the 12 sons of Jacob here mentioned. In the past, remember, and normally when you see the names of Jacob's sons, it's normally someone else's name is in this list. Who is that? Dinah. Dinah. And so Dinah's not here. Dinah's not mentioned here. The sons are mentioned here. The focus is not Dinah. The focus is not all the kids anymore. The focus is on the 12. And surprisingly, within the 12 uniquely, you notice Rachel is not mentioned first. Leah's sons are mentioned first here. Normally, Rachel is the most beautiful, most important wife of David. I mean, of David, of Jacob. But now we see Leah's mentioned first. And possibly she's mentioned first because now we see Leah, um, the, 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 actually the birth order, with Rachel, Reuben being the actual firstborn son. But after that, we see also, we see um, the sons of Rachel. But also we see also the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's servant, and also the sons of Zippah, Leah's servants. But you notice in this order, it doesn't tell us which son is going to bring about the promise. But read this list and look at verse 23. You see Reuben as the firstborn. A lot of times we think that Jesus would come from Reuben, right? Since he's the firstborn. Or you might think, well, Rachel is the favorite wife. Well, Jesus is going to come from Rachel, I mean, from Joseph or Benjamin. It doesn't tell us where the promise is coming from. But what it does do for us is that it shifts now is that let's think about these 12 now. Let's think about these 12. Donna's not the focus. These 12 are the focus now. What is happening is that now Moses and what God is doing through this book, he's narrowing down where the son is going to come from. He's not going to come from Dinah. He's going to come from within these 12. It doesn't tell us the 12, right? He doesn't give us all the information right at once. But it gives us in the sense of some clues here that these 12 are the focus. God does allow us to learn about the character, his character, as he steadily revealed us to the promised child to come. Just think about it. If we know Jesus 
is coming from this particular son. Why would you even read the rest of the Bible about the other sons? Think about that. If we know Jesus is coming actually from one of the sons, we're going to think about that, son, that certain son all the way through the scriptures. We're not going to give time to Reuben, Benjamin. Even the beautiful story of Joseph, why would you want to read about Joseph and Jesus doesn't come from Joseph? Right? And so he doesn't tell us who the Messiah is going to come from, does it? And you actually read about the story of Joseph and how the brother treated Joseph. We actually would think about that Joseph is going to bring about the Messiah, right? You would think that. But what God does here, God doesn't tell us what son it is for us to be able to look at each son, to gaze upon each son, to be able to see the character of God and the fallen nature of the son, but the grace and mercy of a savior. So we shouldn't skip the story about Reuben. When you guys are going to hear about Judah and Tamar here shortly, we're going to hear about what happened to Joseph in the midst of his brothers. You're going to hear the story of, um, of Benjamin. All the rest of the things we're going to be hearing, we're going to find the beauty of God's character and how he deals with each, every son. So what is important then? The importance is not about each tribe or each son of the tribe. The importance, as we read about each character of the sons of Jacob, each son is going to point us to the character of God that God is revealing to us. He's going to find out that God is a God of mercy, but also God is a God of justice. And we're going to learn that through these certain sons that God is going to reveal to us. So as we read in the future about these 12 sons, let us not skip over them. Because we know Jesus is going to come from the tribe of Judah. But let us follow scriptures though, right? Let us not just try to turn every page. Let me just read about Judah and that's it. I think we're going to be able to see more about Jesus' character, especially when we read again about Joseph. How Joseph was treated, you know, in a way and mistreated by those that was called to love him. That's going to be the same thing that's going to happen to Jesus in Jesus' life. Those that are called to love him, they're going to betray him. So Joseph's life is going to point to a savior. Reuben's life is going to point to a savior. Zebion's life is going to point to a savior. Issachar's life is going to point to a savior. Every son is going to point to a savior. We miss that when we skip those names. So family, let us embrace those names. Embrace the stories of those names of these 12 sons of Israel. Again, so we can see that the biblical characters in the Bible it teaches us something about the God-man to come. And we should never exalt any of these characters that we learn about in these 12 tribes. We should never exalt them. They're not Jesus. But we should understand that it's one that's coming that is greater than Dinah. That is greater than, 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 than Joseph. We should be able to see and anticipate as Christ is coming. So we see in point number one, the establishment of the 12 sons of Jacob, which is Israel. These 12 are the focus. And these 12 right here points us closer to the promise. But also we see in point number two, the focus is not Isaac anymore. Look in verses 27 and 29. And Jacob came to his father Isaac at memory, Karath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned, 
Now the days of Isaac were 180 years, and Isaac breathed his last, and he died. It was gathered to his people, old and full of days, and his sons, Esau and Jacob, buried him. We learn now that Isaac has died. Again, if you have a chalkboard at home, or you had a billboard at home, you had all the different names of all the people in the Bible that are from, um, that are part of the people of God. You can get a marker now, you can strike out Isaac's name. He's not the Messiah. We can strike out what Abraham name. We struck out also Noah's name. Now Isaac is not the Messiah. Because he died. And he didn't die for the sins of his people. The seed of the, the, the head of the serpent is not crushed here with Isaac. So Isaac is not the promise. Isaac lived 180 years old and lives in memory with the same place where Abraham lived. And he had all the death, he had all his family around him at this time. Even his two sons, Esau and Jacob, that was at odds with each other in the past. And this is another picture of reconciliation. Esau and Jacob is together. With all the differences and disagreement, they're here together. That Jacob in the past deceived his brother and took his blessing. But after Jacob wrestled with the Lord, Jacob learned of God's faithfulness, that he doesn't have to be afraid of things in this world. So Jacob went to his brother in boldness and restored what was taken to Esau. And they reconciled with each other. And we see this also reconciliation by them being together at their father's death. They heard that the promise was given to Isaac, but they also heard that the promise is given to Jacob. Isaac's death let us know that Isaac wasn't the main focus of the promise. Because the promise continued because God gave the promise to Abraham. Abraham died. God gave the promise to Isaac. Isaac died. The promise doesn't belong to Abraham and Isaac. The promise belongs to Jesus. And that's what it's pointing to. It's pointing to Jesus. It's pointing to Jesus. So anytime Abraham looks over and says, hey, Laban, the promise is mine. Forget you. you get out of here. Then get to your own land. Or Esau, Isaac would say, or Jacob would say, the promise belongs to me. Get out of here. The promise points to Jesus. And God is using these particular character to bring about the promise, which is the Christ. So Isaac helps us to anticipate the coming of Christ. After Isaac helps us see a certain character or attribute of God, now we turn the page on him in Genesis and get ready to learn about Joseph. This should be encouraging for us, fam. Not to get weighed down with a particular Old Testament figure, but for us to look to someone that is greater than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the Bible is so smooth here as it transitions. It's like, now Isaac dies, right? It tells us the son, the 12 sons right here. Isaac dies, and it's already preparing us now. The focus is going to point to these 12 now. Not which 12, we don't know which 12. It's going to be eventually going to be Joseph next. But it doesn't tell us. But what happened though is that it go ahead and introduce us to us. So 
You notice, Isaac doesn't die first. He introduces us to the 12, then Isaac dies. What he's doing here is that he's letting us know, though, is that Isaac, can, it's okay. Isaac can get out the way now. And someone else now has to the baton. It's going to be next in the journey of the promise. Concerning with Abraham. You guys remember Abraham died? The same time Abraham died and Sarah died, did you guys remember what happened? Isaac took Rebecca as his wife. God doesn't just leave us. When someone dies here, God already prepared what's going to happen next. You notice that. Isaac dies, but it's already prepared. Now the focus, it's okay. Isaac can go to rest now. It's okay because now the focus is going to go to the 12. So family, I think we can learn from this even the character of God even in our lives today. Jesus didn't die for us on the cross and leave us by ourselves. Right? He knew that we were needed. He already prepared everything we would need here on earth as him being away and sitting at the right hand of the Father. Because he said as he go away, he's going to send a helper. This has always been God's character. Throughout the scripture, how he already prepared for them. When I was going to die, when I was die, God already prepared what's going to happen next. Family, even for us in the Christian walk. Even as he goes away, he prepared that we, for us not to be alone, he sends his helper for us. He knows some of you young ladies are going to struggle with school. He knows some of you guys are going to struggle with coworkers at work. He knows some of you parents are going to be difficult when you're trying to do homeschooling. He knows all of those things before you was even created. So he gives us everything that we needed in the midst of this. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit is known as? He's known as the helper. Not only known as the helper, he's known as the comforter. So family, God doesn't just leave us. He gives us himself in the midst of the unknown times. So are you trusting him? Are you trusting him? Or only are you trusting him during the good times? Are you trusting him when things are not working out for you right now that you want it to work out for you? Are you picking and choosing what days you want to trust him? You get your stimulus check, praise the Lord he came through. We got a mighty God, right? But what about in the hospital? What about in a disagreement? What about in a test, right? What about, you know, laboring? And what about all these other things? You know, do we still see God knows what's best for us in those moments? Family, we don't. Family, we're missing out on God's grace every single day that he gives to his people. May we trust him doing the good and doing the bad. Amen. Let our love for him not be all wavering and inconsistent. Let our love be for him doing the good and the bad. Let it be unconditional. 
So family, let us be reminded that, that God has already prepared a way for us, for us to look forward to him, just like for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob looking forward to a better promise. Also, let us look forward to Christ on every single day of our lives. So as we end here in point three, as we just finished point two, which is dealt with, Isaac is not the focus anymore. I was gonna point now to another character we're gonna learn about, which is Joseph. Now point number three, we're gonna deal with, we can't trust unfaithful Esau in his lineage. Now we're gonna deal with Esau. Why is chapter 36 even given to us? You might be asking yourself a question. Why is it given? Why is 36 given to us? Well, God gives us a full story here. We didn't know who the bad guys, the villains are, don't we? We didn't go who those that, that are going to reject all the promises of God. We just learned about the people that are trusting God, the, the sons of Israel, the people that are of God, the other promise, you know, Jacob lineage. But what about those that are not of the lineage? the people of Esau. We learn that Esau now points us to the promise. How do you point us to the promise? That we can't trust him. That he's not the promise. He was told to stay away from the Canaanites. You guys remember this in, early in Genesis, I think 26, 27, where Rebecca and... Um, and, and, and talk to Isaac. And they were told to stay away from them. We find out that Esau went and married the Canaanites. The people that believed in other gods. The people that didn't trust God. That's what he married. And his lineage became a people against the people of God. And I know there's a lot of names in Genesis 36. But it's no coincidence. Many people try to skip over this chapter, but it's actually introducing us to the kingdom that will be eventually given uh, a people that will be most of the problem of the people of God. So we're going to see this picture right here. The seed of the woman, the seed of the serpent. Esau lineage, right? It's going to be like the seed of the serpent. They're going to be antagonists for the people of God with the lineage of Jacob. You guys see what's happening here from Genesis 3.15? That serpent battle was steady happening. How do we know this? You guys are going to learn, we're going to learn about Joseph. When Joseph gets sold into slavery, who is he going to get sold to? Who are the people? They're going to be called the Midianites. They're going to be what the people from the Ishmaelites. And the Ishmaelites are the people that are married to Esau. And it goes back down to with, you remember um, Isaac and Ishmael? Isaac was the promise. Ishmael is going to be the one that goes against them. Represent two different covenants here. One is versed on his covenant of worse. One is covenant of grace. But also we're going to see the same covenant here. With the people of Esau, one is covenant of worse, covenant of grace. So now we see with Esau, we'll see the name as the Hivites, the Hittites, the Horites, the Edomites. 
all these ites that we know of are the same ites that's going to be the antagonists of the Lord's people. They're going to be the enemies of people of God. One example with the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 20, verse 14. How Edom treated Israel so harshly. Listen to this. Moses sent messenger from Kadesh to the king of Edom. Thus says your brother Israel, you know all the hardship that we have met. How our father went down to Egypt and we lived in Egypt a long time. And the Egyptians dealt harshly with us and our fathers. And when we cried to the Lord, he heard our voice and sent an angel and brought us out of Egypt. And here we are at Kadesh, a city on the edge of the territory. Please let us pass through on your land. We will, we will not pass through field, vineyard, or drink water from the well. We will go along the king's highway. We will not turn aside to the right hand or to the left until I have passed through your territory. But Edom said to them, you shall not pass through, lest I come out with you with a sword against you. Edomites, they're not even going to let the people of Israel pass through when they leave Egypt. They're going to be the antagonists of the Lord's people. So Esau lineage was harsh towards the people of Israel. And there's many more verses that we know of of the Hittites or the Horites. And we're going to learn about the Philistines later, right? The one the Philistines with Goliath. Goliath is almost stronger than me, right? He's almost taller than me. I got him about a couple of inches and, and I got a couple more hands than um, Goliath. But these same people are going to be the people that are going to go against the people of God. So what do we see here? They will continue to be at odds with each other. The people of God and the people of the serpent. They're going to be at odds with each other. But we're going to notice that the people of God, a lot of times, they're going to be characterized as the people of God, but we're going to find out even some of them going to be at odds with each other. And some of them are not going to be the true people of God. It's going to be a narrow road to the people of God. Amen. And that's what we're going to get into um, that's in the New Testament. The people of God is going to be a small people that honor the Lord. But eventually over time, the years and years past, the, the invisible church is going to be a multitude of nations eventually. But we know this right here. The serpent time is limited. He's already defeated by the woman because Christ has crushed him. But we still see that the wheat and the tares must grow against with each other. The wheat and the tares grow together. And sometimes people are going to be here on Sunday. And they're going to say amen and hallelujah. And they're going to be so far from the Lord. We see this right here. The narrow road right here were the sons of Isaac. It's the 12, right? The 12 are going to be the people of God, it seemed like. We're going to find out, even within that 12, there's going to be many of them within their kids and, 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 and a generation that's going to turn away from the Lord. I'm going to be believers only in name only. Family, this is not just the, in 2022. There's always been faith people around the church for a long time. The Lord will divide his people. The sheep was going to be on one side and the goat's going to be another on that glorious day. 
But right now, we don't know who it is. We don't know who all the serpents are out here. We don't know who's working for them out here. But guess what, guys? We are to preach the gospel, proclaim his mystery, and let the Lord do the divine. Amen. We just hold on to his truth. <laughs> but the serpent time is limited right now. But his tail is still moving. I was in a parking lot one day. Samuel came to me with having the tail of a snake coming up to me. That snake that Samuel had in his hand was still alive. But this snake that we know of that Jesus has crushed the head on that day. He's done. He's done. But only thing he can do is wag that tail. And so many people, right, that belong to him, just going to go along with that tail with him. But the true people of God, they're going to be cared for by God. As we end, let me end with a couple applications. Is your hope in the things in this world? If your hope is in the things in this world, you're going to continue living a life of depression and anxiety, hopelessness, over and over again. The things in this world like sports, painting, hobbies, and etc. All the things that might be in this world, all these things might be cool and fun to do, but if your hope relies on those things, you will be disappointed. But those things should point to something greater. So think about the things you're involved in with. Write the things down that you like doing. If it's blogging, if it's like writing, if it's like fishing, if it's like, you know, uh, um, um, giving back to the poor, whatever you like doing, write all those things down you're doing. All those things point you to Jesus. Or have you made idols out of each one of those things? That's good. Write down how they are pointing to the hope that is in Christ right now. So if you have a pencil and paper, write it down. If you like fishing, how does fishing point you to Jesus? Like writing a book, why, how does writing a book like point you to Jesus? If you like painting, right? If you like cooking, write down things. How do you see Jesus? Or how does these things point you to Jesus when you do these things? What does scripture tell us? Everything that's not done in faith is sin. So how are those things you're doing every single day? Getting your car driving, right? Getting your car driving. How does that point you and sanctify you more to Jesus? So family, as we think through those things and write these things down, now we're starting seeing as we dribble a basketball, as we enjoy different festivities, we can only say that these small things right here don't compare to something so much greater to come. But thank God for these freedom, for these things that we get to enjoy, but these things right here don't come close to what we get in Jesus. All these things that God give us to enjoy should point us to the fully, the full enjoyment in Christ. If we haven't got their family, if we don't see those things on our daily basis now we do things, family, we might have made an idol of these things. We might need to put those idols away. Get rid of them. Number two application. 
Have you put a lot of trust into biblical characters or celebrities in this world? They all have a purpose to show us of the wisdom of God. Even though Denzel watched them believe in all type of crazy stuff. But we can see God's wisdom, how God has created and given him the certain talent for him to act the way he acts in, as in movies. So we can be able to see the wisdom of God that God created human beings to be able to be so talented. So we should be able to see how even the character kind of points this light while there is a God. But how we exalted Denzel, how we exalted LeBron James or Kobe or any other actress, Jada Pickens, Holly Berry. Is that what little, little Boots say? Holly Berry, Holly Berry. But, but, but how we exalted those things. I just see the Kardashian families. It's like, I don't know how many celebrities on they're married. Like every time the new celebrity come up, it's like they're married. I don't know. It's like if something's just so fantasizing for them to say, hey, let me marry a Kardashian. So all these celebrities knew that Kardashian had been very involved throughout the celebrity world. And they still married a Kardashian. Like, I don't know if it's like a hope for them. Like, man, you made it to this certain stage in life. But even for us, is this some type of celebrities or character that we actually exalt over Jesus? Is it Moses? Is it Joseph? Is there any biblical characters in the Bible outside of Jesus? Because Moses and all these guys were good in a way of pointing us to Christ, but none of these people compared to Christ. So let us not rise celebrities to anybody above Christ. Let us find our hope in Jesus and Jesus alone. But nobody can compare to Christ. So look to Christ as a standard for us. One more thing I want to add. For those that are considering relationships, those that are trying to get IGs, right? Is that what y'all say? Is it IGs? Is it IGs? For those that are going around getting IGs, right, anticipating that by getting the IG and getting in a friendship or relationship that's going to satisfy you, it won't. Only Jesus can satisfy you. So look to Jesus, not to IGs, all right? Number three, knowing that the world is against God's people, don't get hopeless because Christ has already defeated the evil one. We can be hopeful of the victorious work of Christ. So don't let what you're currently experiencing convince you that Christ didn't win. He won, Miss Kathy. What you're going through, right, Miss Kathy, right now, it's trying to convince you that Jesus didn't win. He won. So you can sleep well at night, but God of the things didn't work out for you. Did you believe that? He won, and we can wait and trust on him. Do you trust that, Shah? May we trust that. May our confidence be in Christ. And as we do that, God is going to come back one day and we're going to be raised with him in our new bodies with him forevermore let us look forward to the day to come let me pray for us as we transition to communion our father god for heaven lord we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your mercy lord you have been so good